0: warren community church we're blessed with our children aren't we Woo! Amen. We're thankful for miss Cheryl and our children's ministry and all those who work with her we love children you know we've been blessed uh, as a church over the past several years especially with our children uh, I think of um, little Maddie Jenkins. She'll be singing at the end. Stand up, Maddie, so everybody can see you. And then uh, little Campbell Griffith. Where's Campbell? Is he here this morning? He's in pre-K class. Those two special children, we celebrated them. We prayed with them. We rejoiced with them. We wept with them when they were going through their times and you as a church enveloped them and encouraged them and prayed over them and God chose to deliver them and today we've come to celebrate a little Aisin. Oh, Bobby and Kristen I'll never forget the day I got that phone call and the first day that we um, as a church really after we caught our breath Uh, I remember the first day we went down, it was, folks, this was during COVID, and I tried to get into, we went down, several of us went down to the hospital there, and I tried to pull in to the parking lot, we knew we probably wouldn't be able to go in, but we were going to go in the parking lot, and we were going to pray, and so we pull into the parking lot, and man, here comes the security guy, he stops us and he says you got to turn around you can't come in here I said well we just want to pray uh, we've uh, got one of our children here and family here and um, he says you just have to do it somewhere else so uh, we looked around and right across the street was a vacant lot and we pulled over there we circled around we prayed we FaceTimed with them and I'll never forget that day and all the things that happened Um, 120 weeks of treatment four phases of treatment seven different chemotherapies and five bone marrow biopsies and there was another one in the fire (laughs) as little Asen sang and that one in the fire kept him Um, you didn't come here today to hear me so I'm done but I want to thank you if you want to hear uh, me or Pastor Matthew preach you're welcome to come any other Sunday but Bobby you and Kristen come on up and uh, they're going to be sharing with us the story um, and God's working uh, miracle in their lives and in their son Here, we've got microphones for them you got them Bring anybody you want to bring up here, brother. Abe?
1: They didn't know they were going to have to do this. <laughs> if I pass out, y'all just let me be. I will come back around. This is not my thing. I'm a speaker but not a public speaker (laughs) so um, we got some slides to kind of go through I just kind of want to tell you what was going on so we can kind of this picture right here this was um, July 6th of 2020 this picture kind of every time I look at it it kind of kicks me in the gut because it was kind of the last night that ASIN had no worries he had no concerns that night. He had no, his he was so innocent, and all he had to worry about that night was playing baseball, and that's what he did. He played baseball that night. Acted completely fine. He was completely normal. Later on that night, he came home, and he was actually sleeping with his sister because they love to sleep with her, and she's an angel about it and she called me from her room and said i think asin's sick and so i went upstairs to check on him and he had a low-grade fever we'd been dealing with strep throat off and on for the past few months and so it was presenting like that and i thought well here we go again we're gonna have to go the doctor tomorrow you have to remember the world was on lockdown we were in the middle of covid only one person in the, in the pediatrician's office, only one caregiver in the hospital with them, so that morning I loaded him up after a fever all night and a stomachache and we went to the pediatrician's office. She came in and she said I'm gonna take some blood, he looks a little, he looks a little pale and I said okay. She said I'm gonna swab him for strep, that's probably what we're dealing with. I said okay. So she did she came back and she said, you know, his white blood count's a little elevated, but it's kind of a normal thing with infection. I'm not too worried about it. And his strep test is negative, but let's go ahead and treat him for strep since we know that he tends to do the, keep it. So that's what we did. We went on about our day, and the next day, he just wasn't back feeling good. And usually after a couple doses of antibiotics, you know, they start to kind of come around. And he looked just not good and so I asked him to come over And when I leaned over to feel his neck to put my hands around his neck to see if he had fever he's he, he kind of let out a yelp he wouldn't move his neck still trying to talk myself out of going to the hospital during a national pandemic I was like let's just give it another couple of doses I don't want to do this I don't want to go to the ER during this and I sat down on the couch And I'm not kidding, and I might sound crazy saying it, but there was a voice in my left ear as clear as day and it said, go now. So I called Bobby and I said, you need to meet me at the ER, he was on shift at work. I said, you need to meet me at Baptist Pediatrics. I said, something's just not quite right and I'm worried. So we loaded up, I met him there, we got in, we kind of were laughing and cutting up because I was saying, if this is COVID, we're all going to be stuck in the house together for 14 days. That's not going to be fun for any of us. And we were just laughing and cutting up, and they came in and started an IV, and he took it like a champ. And we just sat and waited. And that doctor came in, and I was standing up, and I'll never forget it, and she said, Miss Cannon, Mr. Cannon, I do not like his blood work. I've been on the phone with St. Jude, and you could have sucked the air out of the room. My knees buckled, I had to immediately sit down. She said, think we could possibly be looking at lymphoma or leukemia. <sighs> that was on Wednesday. She said, I need y'all to report back here in the morning. We're gonna do chest X-ray and see if there's a mass, which would be lymphoma in his chest X-ray. That's usually how that presents. So, we got in the car. I think I cried every second all the way home. We were just, didn't know. I mean, we just didn't even know what to say to each other. We just kept saying. She also said, there are many viruses that can mimic leukemia. So that, that right there was our hope. This is just a virus. This is just a virus. It's some weird thing he's contracted and we just kind of cling to that. The next morning we got up and we loaded up and we went back and had an x-ray. Well, his x-ray came back clear, but his pediatrician called that day on the phone. And she said, his x-ray's clear, but this blood work's not right. She said, you have an appointment in the morning at Saint Jude. be there at 8 o'clock. So, the next morning, our family had planned a family vacation with my mother-in-law and her family. And we were supposed to leave that Friday, and the kids had been looking forward to it and excited about it. So, we made a decision that we were going to load all the children up with the big kids, and they were going to go ahead and go. We were going to pack our bags, and we were going to we were going to pack our bags and we were going to meet them in Kentucky after we found out that he just had a weird virus and we were going to go about our day. That was kind of how we were planning it. So we get to St. Jude and um, we get to St. Jude. We played a lot of thumb wars after he got his IV and um, just waited. We just waited. We were there about an hour and a half and a doctor and four nurses came around the corner and I knew. And he sat down, and this is how he said it. He said, ASIN has ALL leukemia. ASIN will be admitted to the hospital today. He will get a port tomorrow, and he will start aggressive chemotherapy for the next six weeks. Total protocol is two and a half years. Y'all be admitted. It could be five to 10 days, we don't really know. We're gonna see how this goes, and you are going to the fourth floor. You could have knocked us over with a bat. Neither one of us knew what to say. We just stared at each other. We were in complete shock. We thought we were going to Kentucky. (laughs) And so we, I'll be honest, I immediately picked up the phone and I called Christy Atkins. Everybody needs a Christy Atkins because she'll get things done. And so I called her and I was like, Asen has leukemia. And for those of you who don't know, Ace and Y are very very best buddies. So I called her and I was crying. I said Ace has leukemia. Let's get the prayer chain going and that's all I knew what to that's all we knew what to do. And then we started the daunting task of calling grandparents and our children who were on vacation. And so we got everybody, told everybody immediately. God started working immediately. Christy got on the phone. The prayer started coming. The peace that passes just complete peace over us. Moving, we were in the process, because in the middle of all this, he had spiked a fever. And so they were doing all these blood samples and all these nurses and in and out and just complete craziness. And immediately there was people praying on their knees, praying for these kids for him, praying for our family and our other kids. We had A group from the church that came, like Brother Ken said, they came and they prayed for us and they FaceTimed us, and he's seen everybody praying for us. He's seen the people on his knees. He's seen all those things. There was a group praying at the ball field. There was a group that met at the church and prayed here. Just so many prayers, so much love. And I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot get through something like this without God. You cannot get through something like this without a church family. You cannot get through something like this without your village, the people that will stand for you, stand in the gap. They will love you. They will care for you. They will bring you food, so much food. (laughs) They will feed your family. They will do anything and everything and all the things you need. They will start fundraisers. They will do whatever it takes. And I'm telling you, if you don't have a church home, this is one that you need to be in because they will love you. I am way off track. (laughs) So, immediately that night, and it was like nine o'clock, they kinda let, there were so many questions to be answered and so many things to be done so many nurses in and out so many so much information we're trying to digest they're asking all the questions and just a lot and about nine o'clock that night this little Japanese sweet precious oncologist Dr. Anaba who's one of the most amazing people on the planet and his fellow Dr. Duffy showed up in our room they're like we're gonna be your lead he said I'm gonna be your lead oncologist on this you let me do all the worrying I got this. And he said, do you believe in God? He, he said, do you believe in God? And I said, yes. He said, well I do too. I said, well then we're, we knew immediately we were good. We were in good hands. They walked us through. There was going to be four phases of treatment. The first six weeks of treatment were going to be bad. Really, really bad. He was going to get a lot of chemo. A lot of different really nasty ones. One of them Is nicknamed devil's blood that's how nasty it is when they cry or any kind of emotion any kind of body fluid it's red because that's how toxic it is he's going to get those he's going to get them in intervals for the next six weeks he won't have any immune system you won't um be able to have him out your family won't be able to be out which we were in COVID anyway so there was really everything was still pretty much on lockdown And that's how that's gonna go. And then at the end of that six weeks, we're gonna see if he's in remission. And after that, we'll go to another phase. And then we'll go to another phase. And then the last phase of treatment is 120 weeks long. That's the longest phase of treatment. So, that's what we did. We started, he got his port the next morning. They came back, he had T-cell ALL leukemia which is a little bit tougher to treat than the normal B-cell leukemia, and they told us that from up front. They said, don't expect him, we don't know, a lot of times they aren't in remission at that six-week mark, but we will get him there. So tons of sickness later, uh, and I mean those six weeks were rough, really, really rough. There was a lot of sickness. He knew immediately that he wanted to do a playlist on my phone, and so that's what we did. We sat down, we did a playlist of Jesus music on my phone. Waymaker, another one in the fire, there's five or six of them that we played over and over. When he wasn't feeling good, he told me, play my Jesus music and he would lay on me. We did a lot of laying on the couch and listening to Jesus music. And he learned from very, very early on that when that stomach started hurting or that back was hurting or whatever was hurting, to stop what he was doing and pray, And we watched it, we watched him grow, we watched him be strong in his prayer life, be strong, just being strong. It it was amazing how strong he was. Um, August 10th, which was exactly four weeks after he was diagnosed, we went that morning to get chemotherapy and I knew he wasn't right. My, my gut instinct, my mommy instinct, told me he's not right. The doctor came in and he said, you know, his labs are showing that but we're expecting this. He's not quite jaundiced yet, so we're going to go ahead with this chemotherapy today. And that just kind of stopped me in my tracks. But we went ahead with the chemotherapy. We got in the car and he cried all the way home. It was really the first time that I had seen him cry for that long of a time. And I said when we get home we'll lay down and we lay down and he sat straight up and he said mom I don't feel good and he started having a really bad seizure. So I called Bobby and he was about 20 minutes away. I I got up and I screamed for Anna to call the ambulance and then I called Bobby and um, for him to get there. When he got there Paramedic was kind of nervous because we were like he has leukemia. He has leukemia and and They were just trying to figure it out and Bobby walked in and completely took over I always say if you ever fall out you need Bobby in there. He will save your life um, <laughs> He completely took over and worked ASIN and did all the things and the paramedic firemen do and um, got him loaded up And we went to Lebanon. And in that moment, we didn't know when we knew he had no immune system his ANC was zero there was nothing there to protect him and we're taking him to Le which is the germiest place probably for any child to be taken with no immune system and we walk in and um, the doctor even said that he said we got to get him out of here as soon as we get him stable I prayed all the way to the hospital Bobby rode the ambulance with him and I got I call Christy Atkins and she got everybody praying, and we were, everybody was praying. And we get to the hospital, and um, they say he's not going to shake this. He's going to have to be intubated. Nobody should ever have to watch their kid be put on a ventilator. I will forever, ever. Remember every sound in the room, everything that was going on in the room. And all I could do was just bury my he- my face in Bobby's chest and just pray. I just prayed out loud, very loud, that God would get us through it. At that point, we didn't know. He could have had a brain fungus. He could have had meningitis. There were so many things that could be very, very critical, and we knew that. We were told. We were told of all the things that could happen those first six weeks. And within that first six weeks, I mean, when we get to the hospital they decided to do another spinal tap and it wasn't meningitis. He had had a chemotoxicity seizure. His chemo had built up in his spinal fluid and caused him to have a seizure. He was getting at that time two bone marrow biops, I mean two lumbar punctures a week with chemo and it had built up in his system and it had caused a seizure. We didn't know if he would have any side effects from that. We really didn't know what was gonna go on. And so we were in ICU for three days and they took him off the vent. And the first thing he said was he wanted some Fritos. and So we got him some Fritos and we prayed him. We prayed him through that. We, um, we were there for 10 days that, that we were there for 10 days and um, three of those were the ICU. On day three, they made Bobby leave COVID protocol you have to remember all these moms were up there with these babies by themselves. there was no other caregiver that could be there there was no other caregiver you were allowed three days in the ICU with me and then he had to leave so we were by ourselves So, Asin was put on steroid pulses. (laughs) I don't know if y'all know anything about steroids. I pray you never have to know anything about steroids. But we called him Dexter because he was on dexamethasone and he was a completely different person on steroids. Um, steroids makes them very hungry and very agitated, and they have no patience for anything. You'll probably see a picture of there, uh, up there of him on steroids. You will know it by the, his facial expression. Um, every time he went on steroids and came off steroids, his body was within dr- withdrawal, and so he felt absolutely terrible, and he would pray through it. His whole demeanor, his whole prayer life, his whole stopping what he was doing in the middle of it when something hurt, whatever he had to do, he would always stop and and just pray. He would just pray that God would take it away, and he did, didn't he, buddy? I can say say honestly, within 20 minutes of every prayer he said, he was feeling better. And um, that Christmas... Some wonderful men built him an amazing tree house outside. In about one day, it was crazy to watch. And so he was really pumped about that. And we were really pumped about that. And it was just people loving on him and loving on us. And it came up, and he loves his tree house. And, um, it, we had planned to give it to him Christmas morning, but christmas eve morning with me and nason had went to um st jude that morning and um when we got home they called and said asin tested positive for covid and then they called back and said you tested positive for COVID. and then we went down like flies every single one of us so we spent that first christmas testing positive for covid and in quarantine complete quarantine and really very scared because we didn't know we didn't know how it was going to affect him we didn't know if he was going to get very sick he didn't have any kind of immune system um we didn't know and they put him on blood thinner shots um because of some of the chemos he was on he needed to be on blood thinner shots and this child we, I took him in. They were going to teach me how to give him the shot. And he said, no, I'm going to do it. And for six weeks, he gave himself a shot in the stomach twice a day for six weeks. And did it all by himself. He never had any help whatsoever. He's just a tough cookie. We always laugh and we say that Asen's our sweetest child. Laughter <laughs> We, I mean, that Abe's our sweetest child. We always laugh and say, Abe's our sweet child. And I was making the comment one day and I said, Abe is our sweetest child. And Asen looked at me and said, I don't even care that I'm not the sweetest. (laughs) He said, but I'm the toughest. And I said, yes, you are. Yes, you are the toughest. So anyway, at the end of that four weeks, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. At the end of that six weeks, they called and Asen had reached remission In the time frame they wanted him to for it to be most successful for him so that was a really big day for our family really big day so asin in 2021 it was a big year for him because later on that year he was able to um He was able to start school. He got to start kindergarten with an amazing teacher who he also has this year, and she has completely been wonderful. She calls me, she knows, and she she keeps an eye on him for me. He got saved at school. And Brother Ken baptized him in January of 2022. Yep, you'll probably see in the pictures. He also um, got to have his first birthday party since diagnosis and it was a big time with all of his friends. Um, So here's what this has been. 980 days of treatment hundred and forty weeks of treatment, four phases of treatment, six types of chemo, six bone marrow biopsies, countless port accesses, which requires a very big needle to the chest, countless lumbar punctures with chemo, which is where they take out spinal fluid, but then they they put chemo directly back into your spinal fluid to treat leukemia there. 11 hospital stays with four of those stays being four plus days. Three of those were in April of 2021. That was a rough month. One ICU stay, six weeks of giving himself daily injections twice a day, nine weeks for testing positive and in complete isolation of COVID. Seizure meds every day a neuropathy med every day because one of his chemos caused him to have very painful neuropathy in his legs, two types of oral chemo daily, four different types of intravenous chemos rotated out, 25 fevers which always resulted in a med room visit, you always have to go in with a fever, and over $2.5 million in treatment completely covered by Sanju. So here's my plug for St. Jude and then I'm going to give it over to Bobby. That place, there's no place on earth like it. There's just not. And the fact that we have it in our backyard is just incredible. The people there, the doctors, the nurses, they're the kindest, most loving. We'll love on you. They got us through so many hard times of complete isolation from the outside world. The hospital was on lockdown when we went in. It was on complete lockdown and they did everything in their power to know that we weren't alone there with our child, that they were there to help us. It is an amazing place. I can't brag enough. People come from all over the world and they never have to worry about travel. They never have to worry about where to stay. They never have to fight an insurance company because they won't cover a treatment. All of that is, is taken out. You just go and all, your only focus is to get your kid well. You don't have to worry about any of the outside stuff, none of it. You have, from around the world, people that come in. They, sent, they brought in their affiliate from Ukraine and paid for all those families to come live here since their kid was in, was in treatment through St. Jude there when Ukraine, before they went to war, they did all that. It's just an incredible place, and I can't tell you enough, if you can donate, if you can give, they use every penny of that for cancer research and to help these families. You will never ever find a better place to put your money as far as a charity goes. We couldn't have done it. We couldn't have done it without God. I don't know how anybody walks through anything like this without him. He was literally there every time. Ms. Jan told me one time, I said, I just don't even know the words to pray anymore. And she looked at me, she said, baby, you don't have to know the words. He knows your heart. Just say, God, you know my heart. And that has saved me so many times, just not even knowing the words to say. Just, God, you know my heart. You know my heart. We prayed over him. The night before he was diagnosed, I laid over him. I begged God, please God, please God, not him. I can do this, just don't let it be him. But he knew, he knew better than me. He knew that Asen was gonna have a testimony and Asen was gonna have a story. And I truly believe with all my heart one day, that right now and one day, that Asen is gonna tell his testimony and he's gonna lead people to Jesus through his story. I just want to thank everyone for praying for us, for loving on us, for feeding us, for everything that you have done for my family and for little Asen. I want to thank my big kids because let me tell you something, these big children right here, they have been my lifesaver. She was in her first year of college. And she was thrown into a complete mommy row. And since the day that she was four years old, I tell people, I could give her $20 and she could run my house for a week. (laughs) That's who she is and that's her personality. And she has, I can never ever repay her enough. This one, he's always the calm in the storm. He's always the one, mom, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And these two together, they had to take care of Abe. We were thrown into it, and that's just how it was. And I just want to tell them thank you and that I love y'all so much.
2: Can you hear me? not a public speaker but I am
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm struggling so, um, <clears throat> we um, we started this with talking about July the 6th Asen's last day that he was well and we didn't We didn't know what was coming yet. He played baseball that night and we just we had a We had a good time. So uh so what he looked like, he looked normal. We had no idea what was coming. July eighth comes around and she gives me that phone call at work. I was in training back then, and so I was working Monday through Friday. So I'm in my office, and I get this phone call, and I could tell in her voice, it was time to go to the hospital. So I do meet them there, and um, Asen looked sick. He had had a fever for days. But we were playing, and um, they did the test. Oh no strep throat, no COVID and they walked in the room and they mentioned St. Jude and it's like Kristen said that changed our lives. We could have sucked the air out of the room. We had to get ourselves together for a minute. We may have looked calm on the outside, but on the inside, we weren't. So they set the meeting up. And uh, so we're going to go on Friday, which is July 10th. That's my sister's birthday. So it's always been really easy to remember this day. Now, we still have hope that there's something that we're missing. We still have hope that this is not cancer. When we got there, they said, hey, listen, don't worry. Children come in here all the time that don't have cancer. We just have better equipment to test them. When they gave us the news that it was cancer, by design, St. Jude, didn't allow us to immediately grieve they didn't allow us to doubt it they didn't allow us to go home and think about it over the weekend they took us straight to procedures they started treatment immediately they started treatment immediately with Asen. when you get that kind of news it is more than overwhelming. So when, when the church was contacted and our family was contacted, I walked out into the uh, waiting area. I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't even know what to say to God. It was uh, that kind of overwhelming feeling, it was hard to process, it was hard to absorb, we started getting phone calls, we started getting text messages and even though I couldn't respond to them all, I read them all. So we started feeling the love come in. We started feeling this church, our family, our community, everyone that loved Ace. we could feel it. Baseball field, prayer group, church. We could feel that. It was just hard to process. I had been there two or three days, and I I looked at Kristen and I said, do you realize that they did not even allow us to process this fully before they started taking care of ASIN? And I know that's by design. I know that's what they do. So, you know, for someone like me, and I know many of you too, <laughs> I'm the kind of guy that just takes control of things. I struggle. I want to give thanks to God. I want God to be in control. Sometimes, something I struggle with is forgetting that in the been trained to do that all of my life. Be in control. Something's wrong, you fix it. If somebody's in need, you help them. I have a servant's heart. I like to serve people. And so when they tell you that your son has cancer, when you know of stories where this has been a life sentence before. not in control anymore there's nothing I can do right now to save my son other than be right here right now what else can I do to help my son I can pray for him we did we asked you to pray for him so one night I told Kristen I said hey listen I don't just want to ask our family you to pray for us I want us to start putting stuff out there to show them how God's answering our prayers. I don't want to just need, I want to show them the benefit of their prayers. So it was hard, I would go home every night after they got home, I'd get home late and Mason would just be sick, the chemotherapy was as bad as the disease. Every night, same thing. I'd walk in and I knew he was sick. They'd been in a dark room and I'd hear his favorite Jesus music playing. There's nothing I could do. Walk over, kiss him, love on him, pray for him. Nothing I could do as a father though. It's a lot of praying. But we felt see blessings that God was was putting in our lives. So how do you pray for that? Look at this picture right here. You know what that is? That's people that love us. So what did we need? We needed strength. Isaiah 41 so do not fear for I am with you do not be dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen you and help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand God strengthens us and so he strengthened our family to support Asin August 10th a month later Asen has the seizure that she house, there's a fire truck there, no ambulance there yet, walked in, tried to see what was going on with him, (laughs) I've done this thousands of times before, I don't know that any of those prepared me for this, so I take it in what we call this postictal stage and uh, I'm trying to get some information see what kind of vitals they got on him and different things the ambulance was getting close so instead of them coming in I met them outside so we went, we went to the ambulance I put Asin in there started giving that paramedic that was on that ambulance that day Giving him a patient report. He looked at me and said man who are you? <laughs> he knew something was a little different, but as I was walking to the ambulance, ASIN had another seizure. So I laid him on the cot, we got an IV started on him, did everything for Asen that we could do by protocol. When we take off to the of honor. Asin did fine. We got there and immediately there were some nurses and people at the hospital that recognized me and uh, did probably some extra for me to try to comfort me. The doctor, the paramedic, over to me and he told me, he said, listen, he said, uh, ASIN's CO, carbon dioxide, CO2, is extremely high. And he said, we're going to have to take him to CT. I said, why? So we sat there and we talked about it. Now, I've got seven and a half years of experience in the ER. I've taken literally a thousand CT before. I know how to look at them. I know expressions. I know conversations that happen when they're looking at the computer. So they're wheeling Ace into CT and as they go in there they stop me and I'm about 10 foot from a window that has the computer on the back of it that's reading ace and CT. So I'm sitting there and I'm literally about to run the CT they come over to the computer and I'm sitting there and watching I'm trying to read their lips I'm trying to read their expressions and I can't tell anything they come out and they walk by me and I grab the doctor and I said man you got to tell me something and he said your CT's clear so they tell us there's what I do they get these large monitors in the room and they're going to use a camera to intubate it Kristen had got there just before this and I had to explain to her what they were fixing to do because see Asin couldn't bring his CO2 down enough to blow all that carbon dioxide off so they were gonna have to do it I explained to her what they were fixing to do and we sat there and those large monitors in the room were connected to the camera that went down Asin's throat into his trachea and we sat there and we watched our son unconscious being intubated. saving Jeremiah 29 11 says for I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope in the future God has a promise for our future and that's what I prayed for I prayed for Asin to get through this day So that whatever plan God has for him, he will be able to fulfill that. We went to ICU, stayed there for a couple days. They finally got us transferred over to St. Jude. Asen was extubated the next day, and uh, he was hungry. He'd been intubated for about three days, and he was hungry. So got us through each day? You did. When we call on God for blessings, he sends that through other people. And every day, he was sending us blessings through you, through our community, our family, the people that loved on us, that filled the gap for us. Carried us through. Asa "Was going to be okay." We saw that, but he was still going to have to continue treatment, and that was pretty, pretty hard. So. one day at a time most days so we get through the first phase which was the toughest. Mason had lost his hair he was looked like a little mole rat running around the house is what hurricane hit and I had taken a, a leave of absence from the task force happened and I just went back on the deployment list and we thought it might be safe for me to leave town because he was starting to handle the treatment a little better, but we had a long way to go. So I get deployed and uh, I'm on the the way to Baton Rouge, Louisiana and uh, we take up camp in this abandoned mall sitting there doing my job safety and uh, I get a phone call and Kristen said we just got ASIN's second clear lumbar puncture results and it's clear you see at St. Jude it requires two they do them every six months two bone marrow it requires two 10th, that was my sister's birthday, and we got the results October 9th, which was my birthday. Best birthday present I ever got. I immediately went and got on my knees in this old abandoned mall and just started thanking God. Just started thanking God, because so far I've not been in control of anything god has done everything for us and we felt his presence every day jeremiah 33 6 says nevertheless i will bring health and healing i will heal my people i will let them enjoy abundant peace and security see god heals we knew we knew that we had the great physician as much as we loved dr naba we knew that we had the great physician the master healer and all we had to do was call on him but it wasn't just us we knew that you were there too and you were calling on him to heal acen more treatments came more phases passed acen started growing his hair back and it came in curly And at the end of 2021, right down the road here at that Christian school, Ace prayed that prayer and asked Jesus into his heart. One of the greatest blessings a dad, mother, and family could ever have. January 2nd, 2022, right here in this baptism right behind this wall. earlier it could have been a death sentence but the great physician was on call and he listened to those prayers that we had God took us all the way through that treatment and he's been so good to us we had hope in Jesus and that's what was able to carry us on so we saw all these great blessings and we felt all this love from you from our community this last week was big it was emotional Ason got his last treatment on Wednesday the following day we had to go in and we had to get uh, lumbar puncture bone density tests bone marrow biopsy, and Asen's port removed. So this is March 16th of 2023. We've been at this almost three years. God's blessed us beyond what I could ever sit up here and tell you about. But he wasn't done yet. Just as I carried ASIN to pre-op that day, my arms, I carried him in there before they took him to the OR I carried him to pre-op that day he got put in the same exam room that we'd gotten put in when he got his point looked familiar, we talked about it so I carry Ace in the operations, I put him to sleep I kiss him, I say a prayer over him I walk out they send us to the stop waiting room. Mason's got a number assigned and we're watching it on the monitor and it'll kind of tell us the progress. They call us every once in a while and they called us and um, told us that his port had been removed and everything went good. There was another team coming in that was going to do the other procedures. So we went into that waiting room. We were outside of it. and I told her, I said, isn't this the same waiting room that they sent us to when they started? She said, yeah. She said, but you didn't stay in here, you were outside on your phone or doing something. I didn't want to be in there that day, but she did, so I went in there and sat down with her, and uh, we're sitting there looking at our phones, talking by ourselves, ourselves, no one else in this room. Asin is probably about ten minutes from being done, and they're... March the 16th of 2023 and this started July 10th of 2020. We're about to leave and the door opens and this young couple walks in with a male nurse and he's giving them some instructions and he's talking to them. They sit down on the wall facing us just before they get to us and the nurse walks out and when they sat down was on his right, and they held hands, and she just buried her head in his chest. I said, "I got you, God. I've seen this. I know this look—this look of desperation, this look of being overwhelmed." So I immediately got up and I walked over there. I sat in front of him and I said, "I said, sir, do you mind me asking, what's your child?" He looked at me with these big tears in his eyes, and he said, my two-year-old daughter has cell leukemia. I got you, God. Hey, that's something I knew something about. If they would have said a brain tumor or lymphoma, I didn't know a whole lot about that. But I know something about A-L-L, leukemia, and I know this look that this young couple has. And just as so many people had reached out to me, people that had just completed treatment, people that had been at St. Jude before had reached out to me and held my hand and talked to me through this process, especially in the beginning. Now it's time for me to do that and pass that on to someone else. I told that young man, I said journey is about to begin and mine is about to end here today I said but I know where you are I know what you're going through and I know what you're thinking right now and I said let me tell you there's hope in Jesus we started talking to that couple Kristen went over and started talking to the mother we gave them advice we gave them spiritual advice, we told them about you we told them about the things they were going to face that they didn't know were coming yet but how to get through it she said I pray all the time but he doesn't and he said I think this is where I'm going to start praying we shared asked him could I pray with them and that young man got on his knees right there as we were sitting down and we prayed for them and we gave them some really good spiritual advice she's got their number we're going to stay in contact with them but God wasn't done Now I don't think that was the only purpose but I'm glad he used that he, I'm glad he used Ason's situation help us reach out to another person that needed to hear the word of Jesus that's where I'm going to close with this and I want to tell you that we absolutely so proud to be a part of this great church so many people that love Jesus and love our family
0: amen can we give the Cannon family a, a praise to the lord today amen Good.
1: hello we should I couldn't did it without God. Thank you for, everybody for for you.
2: Thank you for praying for me.
0: All right. Well, Bobby, Kristen, Anna, Adam, Abe, and Asen, what a blessing and what a joy it is to see you as a family that in the midst of tragedy God even brought you even closer as a family and closer to him. And so we give the Lord all the praise and glory for that today. Um, You know I hate that you had to go through it but my goodness look at what God has done in it and through it. Aeson was diagnosed with a horrible disease but with the Lord's help And his healing touch, it's not there any longer. Every one of us, every one of you that are there today, you have been diagnosed with a terminal illness. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there is a cure, and that cure, is Jesus Christ he who knew no sin became sin for us that through him we might be called the righteousness of God and so today you're terminally ill unless you know Christ but you today have heard this testimony and God has moved upon your heart, and you know that today you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're going to close this service with a song. A little Maddie's going to come, the group's going to come sing. And this is what we call our invitation time. But it's God's invitation, and it's an invitation to you to come to Jesus. Because that's the only hope that any of us have. And so today I pray. As I'll be here at the front, if you have any prayer concerns, maybe today you just, maybe you're here and you just got diagnosed with something. And you don't know where to go or what to do. Come on down, let's pray over you. i tell you, this is a praying church family. Maybe you're struggling in some other area of your life. Come on, let us pray over you. But most of all, let's take care of your terminal illness today. If you don't know Christ, he will save you. He will save you now. That's what the old song says.